Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Today, I want to welcome Josette Langevine to the podcast. Uh, Josie and I have been friends for uh, basically about half our lives now. We met as maybe freshmen or sophomores in college, um, both at Stanford University, and we were a part of a campus ministry where we got to do Bible studies together and just kind of figure out how to do life together. Josie was part of my wedding. And so um, we've, you know, connected over the years and um, in the fall of 2019, before the whole world shut down, we got the really cool experience of hosting a panel discussion for our Stanford reunion. And that just sparked this desire in both of us to be able to collaborate a little bit more um, with the unique gifting that God's given us and the calling that he's given us. So Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about a little bit more about Josie's experience and how life threw her a curveball and how she's been resilient in that, and then some new projects that she's working on um, coming up pretty soon here that you guys can all have access to for extra encouragement and um, extra hope. So Josie, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are? And I'm super excited to be a part of this podcast. We've been waiting so long to do something together. So thank you for inviting me to do this. Um, I really just feel uh, called just to be able to give God's story in a lot of ways. Um, so let me actually just back up. So five years ago, uh, I think Anne mentioned that, you know, there was some disruptive moment in my life and it was truly like, just again, a curveball. Uh, so five years ago, I was doing a, like just crazy things, you know, at Stanford, you're supposed to climb up this corporate ladder. I think that's kind of, you know, what we're told, honestly, I don't think it's like verbalized to us, but I think that's kind of our mindset going into Stanford. You're supposed to climb up the corporate ladder, marry this amazing man, have the, like a bunch of kids, uh, and just live in this palace in probably the Bay area or some glamorous place, um, outside of here. Um, but you know, I was, I, I felt like was on track to do that, but internally, like, I just, I just felt like my life was a complete mess. You know, I was dating this guy and he didn't really like me. You know, I was in a job really that, you know, paid the bills uh, for the most part. And, you know, I was trying to be director of communications for that company. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it was anything that was mind blowing or passionate. I felt very passionate about. Um, but what they asked me to do was they asked me to be um, 
uh to to be project manager for this conference and board meeting that was in hong kong so at the time we were located in palo alto uh and you know it was a big deal because we just went public um we i really just wanted to share the image and um the profile for our company because we wanted to make sure that we were leaders in the world the financial world and so uh it was like a two-month project uh and you know i just was not sleeping number one it was because you know we were in, I was in Palo Alto and the site was in Hong Kong. So every time I would leave uh, from work, it's like what, seven, eight o'clock at night, it was there, it was Hong Kong's morning time, which meant that like, I would have to do a lot of stuff like on the Hong, Hong Kong side. So, I mean, I was basically working around the clock and I mean, I mean, that's pretty normal. I mean, I think that's what happens when you're trying to like, you know, climb up the corporate ladder. You, you, you expect that that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, wasn't sleeping for maybe like at least like six or seven weeks. Um, and I really didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I mean, I was I was I had the adrenaline run, uh, running and, you know, I was trying to kind of like, again, climb up that that ladder. Uh, but there are a couple other things that were happening in the meantime. Uh, you know, I was commissioner for Mountain View which meant that I, it's, it sounds so fancy, but it's not, not that fancy. I mean, like I basically would, would propose a lot of initiatives to the city council and there were a bunch of like deadlines that were happening in March. So all this was really kind of like happening in March. And you were like uh, the youngest woman to have that position, right? Yeah, I was the only woman, the only uh, woman. in the midst of five men mm -hmm. and they're all older white were, men. <laughs> <laughs> so Josie's a like a what 32 year old at that time 32 year old black woman yes. on city council with a bunch of old white guys yeah yes <laughs> so commissioner. um and yeah we had a bunch of different like proposals that we had to to do at that time so so i was doing the board meeting i was doing uh you know the conference i was doing uh the city council stuff which i do a bunch of like church ministry and one of the producers at our church asked me to be part of this uh, easter musical mm -hmm. so we typically do easter musicals like every, like for the, I don't know, for the past like 10 years beforehand. And so, you know, I've been, I've, I was a part of most of them. Uh, and he asked me, would you be able to do like, or play Mary Magdalene? And I said, okay, well, why not? I mean, this is what I typically Easter, this is what you do. You do work, you know, you do life stuff, but then you also do like, you know, Easter musical stuff. And so <laughs> I really was kind of like, okay, why not? So I was doing the Easter musical. I was doing, um, you know, like again, work stuff and then city council stuff all at the same time. So Easter day, resurrection Sunday, mm. um, I, I, I did the Easter musical. It was great. You know, it was just a wonderful celebration. And then I headed straight to the airport to go to Hong Kong because the conference and the board meeting were happening that same week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as soon as I got on the plane, I was knocked out. Like I slept for 14 hours, yeah. which made total sense because I was not sleeping at all for the past like six or seven weeks. Yeah. Um, and you know, what actually happened was, you know, when you don't, when you, when you're in an immobile position, things happen. And I didn't realize that, you know, I was like, what, 32 years old. And, you know, you're not really concerned about your health stuff, uh, especially in, I mean, you're just not really concerned about health stuff. You know, you're young, you know, uh, you're just, you know, I was held, I was perfectly healthy. You know, I run, I do triathlons, all these, all these different things, but I never really thought I would have to worry about my health until I did. So that 14 hour nap actually turned, turned into kind of this huge health concern. 
because I wasn't moving around, I wasn't drinking any water, I, a blood clot formed. It's called a DVT, which is a deep vein thrombosis. Um, and it formed, I think, in my left leg and actually landed. It went up to my to my lung, which actually probably should have killed me instantly. Um, but, you know, I always say it, it's like a saving grace. I had a hole in my heart, which I knew nothing <laughs> about literally. And the blood clot actually traveled directly to my heart, which caused a heart attack. And then it would travel directly to my brain, which caused like, you know, a stroke. So, mm. I mean, all these things could have like killed me. It could have been the DVT. It could have been like the heart attack. It could have been the stroke. And so I wake up and I realize, okay, something's wrong. I can't breathe. Um, and as soon as I landed in Hong Kong, I collapsed. And so, um, that started again, this moment of like, what is happening? <laughs> what should I do now? Like, where, where, where do I go now? Um, so my parents came to Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong for about three, three weeks, um, to recover. And, you know, I, one of the things that really affected me, I think the only thing that really affected me was my ability to communicate. Mm. So, um, so going back, I was supposed to be director of communications for my company. <laughs> and that's the only thing that this whole stroke thing uh, affected. So I couldn't read, I couldn't write, I couldn't speak. And so, um, you know, and I think in a lot of ways, my voice, I, I, I think a, a lot of things that like I hid was I, I hid behind my voice in every way. Um, from the time when I was young, you know, people used to ask me to be a Toastmaster. They used to ask me to be like, um, to do presentations. They used to ask me to, you know, uh, I don't talk at weddings, uh, but really, but, you know, as soon as that, as soon as this happened, like everything was just completely, I felt completely lost because, you know, all these things, all the insecurities and all of the things that, you know, I didn't want people to see. I now felt like it was completely raw and completely bare. And now everyone was seeing all of my faults and failures and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just felt completely lost. I didn't yeah. know how to recover. And so I sunk into a complete deep depression after that. So you said that like communication had been the thing that you were hiding behind, but it mm -hmm. sounds like it's almost like where your identity was. Mm -hmm. Like if people were proud of your accomplishments in that area or, or sought you out in that, that area, that's what made you feel like you were on the right track. You were whole, you were doing things. Right? And, and, and it's so funny because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, <laughs> you know, you know, that your identity should always be centered on God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when these moments happen, that's when you realize, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I, my identity is not in God. It's in something else. You know um, it's like, it was like a defining moment of no, it's completely mismatched, misplaced and mismatched. Yeah. Um, I really need to kind of like find my identity in, in Christ, but you know, I didn't get there yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, you know, four months of just complete, like I have no clue what I'm supposed to be doing. So I, I went to, to California after Hong Kong, you know, they flew me to California to again, recover. I wasn't working because I was still going to therapies. Um, and, you know, a lot of my friends kept saying, you know, go back to your normal life. And so I tried really hard to go to parties. You know, I tried to go back to, you know, uh, these game nights, but, you know, I internally had changed in a lot of ways. You go through a traumatic moment and you're just completely different. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't want to show that. And so, you know, I was, I would run 
from those parties because I just didn't want people, number one, to know, you know, all these, uh, these, again, all these insecurities that were inside of me. Like I just, I, I always run from things um, and I would find solace in my home, but I mean, it just wasn't really the right place to do that because the only thing that I could do at home was, was watch or look at social media. Um, and that kind of turned, that was, that became kind of a hot mess for, <laughs> for me in a lot of ways. Um, because yeah. So just to put things in perspective for people, your parents live on the East coast. You're from New York. You're living in the Bay area of California. So you're, you're alone in the apartment where mm -hmm. your friends don't understand what's going on with you and your parents are far away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, because I couldn't read, uh, that was the only uh, social media was kind of like the only outlet for me to see people, to see my friends, um, to really kind of entertain me uh, because, you know, I couldn't really, uh, read in a way that I used to read or, you know, find entertainment in that. And so in social media, you know, you see people getting promoted, you see people getting married, you see people, you know, uh, having babies, all these things that like, I really wanted to do in my life. Uh, and I couldn't do that because, you know, I, I mean, I was recovering and I was trying really hard to kind of get back to where I was before. And so, um, there were moments of Lord, like why in the world would you want me to continue to be here? Mm -hmm. You know, um, if I, I just, I just wasn't sure. I thought my gifts were, you know, you're supposed to speak and that was taken away. And I just didn't really know where my place was anymore. Yeah. So at that point, we're going to talk a little bit, you know, on this podcast, we talk about therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you told me you had a therapy experience to help you through that, but it maybe wasn't the most helpful. And so I just, you know, I'm pro therapy, but I want to be really candid that sometimes therapy doesn't work out. So tell us about that experience a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so I was on workers comp, uh, and I found a therapist just because, you know, again, I was going through this deep depression and I couldn't pick my therapist. Uh, so they chose a therapist for me. Um, I wish it was a, a Christian therapist. I wish it was someone who kind of shared my, my like similar values, but, um, because I, I hid myself so well, you know, the only thing that, it, that I really, um, that the stroke really affected was my ability to communicate. So everything like physically looked fine. And so, um, we ended up just talking about like my love life, my relationship <laughs> life. And she was kind of like, okay, let's talk about that. But there were a lot of like a, clearly a lot of deep in issues that she, she needed to kind of like weed out and figure out like what was wrong with me. And so, um, yeah, there are a lot of things that unfortunately, uh, really didn't get resolved through therapy. Um, and I wish, on, I wish they did. I mean, I, I was listening to, I think, I think your second or third podcast about how to find a therapist. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known. <laughs> I wish I would have known. Um, because that would have been so helpful, especially during those like time, those dark times that I was in. Yeah. And so now it's been a few years, but you're thinking about like, okay, this might be the time to kind of sort through some of those things that for the most part, your, your life has gone really well in the last few years. Like you've been able to get more than one different job. Like you have friends, you've had a relationship, like all of these things that have gone well. And yet, you know, that there's something in you 
that still needs to be sorted out because this was a trauma experience. So medical trauma, which a lot of us have experienced is still trauma. So did you ever think about it that way? Like you told me you think you might have PTSD. So when was it that you realized that you might have trauma? Yeah. So actually, I I don't know like where you want to go back, but um, (laughs) I, you, you mentioned that there were so many things that, you know, God really did for me afterwards. I mean, I actually ended up stopping social media, which was a really good thing. And I will say, you know, social media has like wonderful benefits, but I think in my mental state at that time, I really needed to kind of figure out where God needed, what God needed from me um, at that moment. And so once I did that, there are so many different avenues that God direct me to, directed me to, you know, I joined this company called FND, which is functional neurological, neurological disorders with people who had brain injuries. And it was a really great, like support group for me. Um, and the funny thing is they asked me to be lead of communications for that company. So, I mean, there was just kind of a different pathway, I guess, for me. Uh, and then, you know, my pastor actually asked me to be uh, to join his ministry, uh, to work with kids. And that was something that I felt also very called to do, like working with kids and trying to edify them and trying to build them up spiritually. And so that was really awesome. But through those different things, I realized there were certain things that were holding me back. And so, um, you know, it, it hasn't been diagnosed, but I do feel like I do suffer from PTSD because there are a lot of times when, um, you know, I get nervous about speaking in public. You know, there are moments when, you know, I remember stuttering. I remember losing my words. I remember, you know, uh, there are things that I felt like I really couldn't get out because of the whole, because of the whole aphasia. And, you know, even though medically I'm fine, you know, the doctors say, go talk, go speak. Like there are things where I feel, um, are really holding me back because I remember those, those past experiences. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm looking for a therapist right now (laughs) to help me kind of like go through and walk through those, um, those things. So I can have those tools to get me through, uh, some of those issues. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's really interesting that you're saying that right now you're still struggling with the idea of speaking in front of people, public speaking, whatever, because uh, you've taken a big step of faith in your next project that's coming and yeah, just this week. When this launches, it's going to be this week. So tell us about what your new project is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so after the stroke, I felt like God kept sharing uh, or like telling a lot of things or sharing a lot of things with me. Um, it's just so funny. Like he was saying, do podcasts, write books, do, do, um, uh, you know, do Ted talks and all these things I had to do with voice with, you know, me sharing or, you know, using my voice and, that didn't make any sense to me <laughs> because at that moment I really could not speak. I couldn't really write very well. Um, but over the years, God kept pressing it on, on my heart to, you know, do podcasts, share, share God's story because it really is God's story that, you know, he's allowed me to, to share with other people um, and, you know, and, and write books. And so uh, right now I'm launching this podcast called Jojo and Boogs, Unexpected Hope. And it's about, it's about expectations versus reality. 
Uh, and, you know, I think every single person has a story of, you know, sometimes their realities don't line up with their expectations, but I just want to, I want it to be really about, you know, how they're using faith and resilience to get them through those, those experiences. So, I mean, we have really awesome people who are, uh, who want to share their story. Uh, and so, yeah, it's launching. Yeah. This week. So yeah, make sure you look out for that. July 1st, right? July 1st. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the format because, you know, people are listening to this podcast. I'm hoping they're podcast people. So what can they expect? Yeah. I mean, it really is about people sharing their stories. I, I, I've always won. I've, I've always been someone who's really interested in biographies and, Mm. um, just understanding how God, how, how, uh, God led them to, to their journey and like their, uh, their scenario. And so, um, really is about people just sharing their individual. It's definitely like conversational style. So me and my friend, Rachel Adikula, I call her books. I mean, at some point we'll share like why exactly, like I call her books, but that's another point. Um, but me and her are going to be interviewing, uh, just certain, just normal people (laughs) Mm -hmm. about just their experiences of, you know, like how their realities just don't, haven't like lined up with their expectations. Mm -hmm. So it should be a really fun, fun show. Okay. So that's going to come out on Thursdays or weekly. Yep. Yep. Okay, great. And that's on the major players. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Great. And so you, you talked about podcasts, but you also said that God told you to write books. So what's the story with that? Yeah. So after the stroke, I started to write a blog about my recovery and that has now morphed into this book. Um, And it really is about like my faith journey on how, and how I got from, you know, me being more selfish driven to me being more God driven. Uh, So again, that should be launching uh, probably in, in August. I don't really have like a set time, but I okay. think it should be like in August. Sometime this summer, fall. Are, are you self-publishing? Yeah. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> so we should look for that like on Amazon or yeah, it's on find Amazon. It? it'll be on it Amazon. Be okay. And do you have a website or anything where people could find out more about you? I, I am launching that website. Hopefully you'll be, you'll, it'll be in the notes, but it's coming soon too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's that address going to be? It's, it's going to be josettelangevine.com. Okay. So I can add that to the notes so people can find you. Absolutely. Yeah. So Josie, like, I got to see you go through these different phases and to see you work so super hard and then, and then go through the medical emergency and the recovery. I remember like waiting for the next blog post to come out because you like, we weren't communicating a lot on the phone or anything, but I knew like I would get the information when the blog came out. And then I was like, call some of our other friends and be like, Oh, Josie's blog is out. Did you guys read it? (laughs) So getting to like walk through some of that with you and then see you on the other side of that. And like you maybe still have some of these residual feelings of uh, like not feeling whole or not feeling like as good as you were before or things like that. But um, to, to experience you from the outside has been like a wonderful journey. So I just want to tell you that like you're, you are a good friend and you're like just so, so such a beautiful person and also just like inspiring because 
you know, like I, I've had this dream of podcasting for about three years and then I, you know, I'm slowly eking my way out and I launch and then you're like, oh, I'm launching a podcast. I'm like, wow, she's good. You know? uh, that so is the Lord. <laughs> I am really impressed with you. Um, all our friends are so impressive, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> um, so I just want to say thank you for sharing that part of your story. And I hope that other people can find hope, you know, as I'm, I'm putting out these podcasts and I'm really um, like with my launch team and people who are on my newsletter and all of that, I'm saying like, this is a way to get hope out to more people uh, by my, my slant is mental health. And I want, I want Christians to be able to um, have hope for mental health. Your slant is a little bit different of that, like unexpected life circumstances and how God still works through those. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is really cool to be able to collaborate on you or with you. And I hope, you know, for more and bigger things in the future. Mm -hmm. But before we wrap up, I ask all my guests, what do you do for soul care? I love that question. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I'm originally from New York mm -hmm. and New Yorkers tend to walk. We don't, we don't drive cars. We walk. And that's how I get my soul care. I mean, I, I shared before that, um, you know, I walk maybe like 10 or 10 or 15 miles sometimes like every day. Oh my gosh. That's, that's, that's really my time to, to, um, just pray and really figure out where God is leading me. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, if you don't see me at home, you're probably going to see me at home at, at like walking somewhere. Walking. <laughs> my dog. <laughs> Does Ethel come with you? No. Cause she's so, so she's very slow. Oh. Ethel's my dog. She's the sweetest thing, but yeah, she's, she's tiny. So her little legs don't keep up with you. Huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, as she's like looking at me right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I remember one time like sharing with you, like I had a streak on the Bible app and I was like super proud of it. It was a couple hundred days of like consistent, um, Bible reading. And then you pulled out your phone and you had like blown me out of the water by like, by like three years or something like that. So I know that like consistent time with Jesus, whether you're walking or you're sitting on your couch, like that is a big part of your life too. So um, I'm so glad that he continues to bless you and you're walking faithfully with him um, and taking care of yourself. So yeah. thanks yeah. for being here, Josie. Oh, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Right. Hopefully we can do this again. Yeah. We'll find us over on that other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Sounds like a plan. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.